There's too many homelosers, too many trimmers, but I like to watch them for rotten treasure. Hi. Welcome to Rotten Treasure. We watched... Oh, shit. I forgot to look up the name of the movie. Uh, do you want me to do it? I, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. It's just I have to go around. Uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell. With me, as always, is the other host, Kai Bobby. I asked you to do, like, a B-minus job, and you did even, like, a C-plus. So, like, excellent. That's what I... That's right where I wanted you to do. That's that's what I do. I, I give you expectations, and I hit right <laughs> underneath it. Yes! You're the best, Jim. I love you. <clears throat> Thank you. You know who is the best? Our guest. I like that. <laughs> yeah. We have a returning guest for uh, our first returning guest uh, within the same series too. Uh, oh, wow. Is yeah. a actor, improviser, writer, teacher. It's Rob O'Neill. Yay! Hey! Oh, I'm so Prepare, glad I, I, hit, I made a record. Is that a record? Yeah. Or yeah. Is it, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is definitely an achievement. I'll call it an achievement. Uh, I haven't played video games in a while, but I think that's what you would call it. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I don't know. As soon as you hit record, all of a sudden my brain was like, I'm going to take words away that you use all the time. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, great. Uh, let's just check in with that. I'm exhausted. How are you? <laughs> I'm OK. Uh, yeah. I'm dry. I just bought a um, I feel like every time I record with you guys, I have some sort of an ailment <laughs> last time. I had nice. just seen a rheumatologist, and this time mm-hmm. um, I'm very dry. I just bought myself a humidifier because I'm tired mm. of chapped lips, dry skin, cough, all that stuff. Oh, my God. I've I've been waking up super dry, and I just realized, you saying that now, I should just buy a humidifier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've had it two nights now, and I've it's already made a vast improvement in my sleeping because when I wake up at night, like, I'm not – you know, my nasal passages are open now in a way that they weren't before because it's wintertime. You've got that dry heat going on and mm-hmm. it's just, it's just ugh, it's, it drives me crazy. I got negative temperatures, like temperatures over here. So, yes, I feel you. Uh, I when you said you were dry, I was like, I know someone if you need me. I think they deliver like I can get you set up if you need somebody. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I got of weed and booze okay. and all that stuff. Good, 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 so. good, good. Yeah. All right. Oh, right. that kind of dry. OK. I but, uh, yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, I've been getting that like cracked fingers uh, situation for the yeah. first time ever because it's really never been that bad. Like I remember my uh, my parents having to use the, what's it called? New skin, that bond. It's basically just super glue in order to get your hands to be like, yeah, a Wolverine back. I'll be fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's, ugh, ugh, I don't like it. It hurts. Uh, I think honestly, I, there should be another setting in the shower where it's just like, and spray me with moisturizer. All right. Now out to, out to my day. <laughs> they have, um, like a shower moisturizer thing that I used to use that like, you just lather it on like you would soap, but you don't have to like, you, you rinse it, but you don't have to do it very well because nice. it's moisturizer. It stays on you, but it, it was nice. <laughs> On the back, does it just like half-ass wash it off? Just like kind of, yeah, something yeah. like that. They were like, yeah. wash it off, but don't, don't like make a production out of it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim, tell me about your showering experiences. Um, I just bought some new uh, thickening paste for my hair. Uh, I haven't used it yet. I nice. I heard uh, Danny Gonzalez uh, use it, who is a, a YouTuber with great hair, and I was like. I saw this uh, two nights ago, and I was just like, wait, I live in the future. I could just buy this, and mm-hmm. here it is. I can't wait to use it. I'm very excited. Isn't it great being an adult with a salary, and you can just buy things? 
yeah i had 10 bucks i was like yeah here you go oh i've never i've never found like a like a um i guess beauty product again my words aren't with me today but like a men's you know product like a like a moisturizer or something that i've like i'll buy one of those one of them every once in a while but then i won't rebuy like i've never found anything that i've loved so much like once it's gone i'm like oh i guess i don't have that anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i feel that that's how my medicine cabinet kind of works sometimes too (laughs) you're like oh yeah i remember when i cared about skincare ah that was a fun five years ago yeah let's (laughs) oh let's do that again yeah it's a once in a while thing and it should be an all the time thing and you mm. just have a better quality of skin. But yeah. 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 My, my girlfriend all the time is like, now's the time because you're not gonna, it does, it doesn't go backwards. It only just stays. So you, you got to keep doing it. And I just always forget. I have an aunt that's like that and she's in her early sixties now. And the evidence is the proof is in the pudding. You can see her skin. She looks, it looks good. Oh, so. nice. Ooh, I got it. Been that way since she was young, just always with the skincare, and it's paid off. I went through a period. Kai uh, met me during this period. Was uh, I? I met, went through a period where I was watching Jersey Shore a lot, and you know, I, I you watch them, and you're just like, hmm, these are not great people. But for some reason, while I watched them, I was like, I should get, I should get into a good like, I'm gonna say hygiene uh, kick, where like. I got really good skincare. I got really good hair care. I was doing all the things regularly and and I felt really good about myself. I was like, I can kind of see why these guys are so uh, arrogant. Like uh, this, this makes you feel good to do all these uh, like beauty things together. It feels really good to do. They also think they have to do that to get laid. To yes. Guys like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I that's was... the end game in all cases for those guys. <laughs> that's, right. That's true. For me, it was, I just, I want to look good, feel good kind of thing. And it, it worked. Right. Yeah. I know I'm not, like, I'm not supposed to demand we get into the movie, but this is, like, tying into something I was listening to, uh, like, about this movie. You know, I was, like, looking into other, like, stuff about it. And uh, uh, it was just, I don't know, it was it was an interview uh, with Mark Patton. Um, and he was kind of talking about how, like, at like a certain point it got like re-policed like how in the gay community like how hot you had to be and it became like a, a mandatory like make sure you get your spray tan make sure you look like super super good uh unfortunately that uh was also uh echoed by the fact that it's like if you looked sick that was bad so you should make yourself look as good as possible oh mm. oh that's interesting yeah so i mean like that sucks um but also like it's it's i don't know it's very interesting to me in terms of like I don't know, just like the routines of just being like, what's what's a what makes a sexy, palatable person? <laughs> um, I mean, it's all really about how what what how you can walk out of your door and feel really, really sexy. That's what mostly matters. But um, you know what I mean? Like, it's weird how we've shaped what particularly a sexy man is, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Jim, you're, changes, you're, you're, yeah. you're a sexy man. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's a beard. Uh that's what doesn't <laughs> um it changes too because if you think about like the seven like that when burt reynolds is sprawled out on that rug in playgirl mm-hmm. yeah like that was like the height of like oh my god like at, at some point people couldn't believe how good he looked in that but now you look at it and it's so it's it's <laughs> so back, but it's, it's gonna not, come back it's not sexy there's a, it could come back yeah. it could it totally could it kind of yeah. came back a little bit for like 
a little while ago because I I I am a hairy man and there was definitely a time where I was I was the the it girl for a little bit uh, because of how hairy I was. Yeah, but that also goes I, from I person mean, to person. Personal preference, I prefer people. If 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 you're hairy, just be hairy because like I saw I actually saw something um uh Taron a picture of Taron Edgerton like last night where he took like a picture of himself in a towel. And he, ha- he he was, like, hairless. Like, he didn't even have hair under his armpits. And I was like, I know you don't. And I had to, I went and Googled it, and I was like, yeah, he has hair. Mm-hmm. I found another picture of him where he had body hair. And I was like, uh, it's so weird when people do that. You know, I, I don't know. It's just there just are There hear. are some people who... I mean, literally, it is unnatural, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some people who are hairy people that then they get it waxed or whatever they're doing and then it's like hmm you have like the physique of a hairy person though so it's like a little bit off yeah, it happens no, I, if i go full hairless like naked mole rat i can never say it. is it mole naked mole rat sorry yeah, i want to say it. mall rat because i like the movie <laughs> uh, yeah no a naked a naked mole rat uh it just it just uh, it doesn't feel right you know like i feel like a naked piece of play-doh it's not a good look for me you know yeah it works for some yeah, people I don't like yeah, I I take back what I said. I don't want to like hair removal shame anyone. If your thing is I like removing hair from my body, then please by all means, oh for um, sure, do that. But I just think with actors sometimes it's like you'll see an actor who it's like I saw you in another movie and you had chest hair, and now all of a sudden you don't, and I'm like I, that that I don't know something about that bugs me. It takes me no, out of it. I'm like I hear you, yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Grow your hair back. I want your full luscious right. set of hair. Did he? Oh, you're talking about his <laughs> the hair on his head. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did not have a giant beard at any point, as far as I understand it. I was thinking of chest hair kind of thing, because like, oh. yeah, again, you see some you see some guys with chest hair. I don't know if I've ever seen a like extremely muscular man with chest hair. It's got to be a thing. We got to bring it. It's got to be a new thing, Jim. I'm, I'm gonna that's, look it up. That's your mission. Uh, I'm looking it up now. You're just looking up beefy uh, chest, like hairy men. Is that what you're uh, typing? Uh, that's the words I want to. Uh, that's the words I want to use. Thank you. Great. Awesome. Beefy hairy men. Oh, <laughs> some of these may be explicit. Turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm getting there's like some sort of like queer subtext here. Like it's not blatantly obvious, but I feel like this is getting kind of gay. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> It maybe it's the movie. The movie oh. it. <laughs> oh, I think oh. that's my, been my favorite thing when listening to other, uh, like reading other people's opinions about this movie is how many people were like, yeah, it's just like barely a visible that there's any gay stuff in there. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, but yes, I understand like the, when you watched it, where you were at, uh, like argument, I'm not going to call it an argument. The, uh, point that's being made. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah. The I thesis. Oh, I, I mean, um, I, I listened to the episode that we did a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, I talked about screen queen so much. You'd think that I had like money invested. in it. <laughs> um, it but uh, yeah, I'm so glad you guys finally got to see it that just cause I think it's so interesting. Like I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen certainly never a documentary about a horror sequel. That's this personal and this, no. you know, um, covers so many different topics, especially like queer queer topics. Mm-hmm. I think they did it the right way, where it's it's a very niche thing, where it's it's about a horror it's about a horror movie sequel, 
very strange, a very specific movie that not a lot of people have seen. And then it broadens it out to include the AIDS epidemic and the treatment of gay men in the 80s uh, in Hollywood. And you're like, oh, this is it, it was a fantastic document. Thank you so much for the uh, for the oh, yeah. recommendation, which uh, my girlfriend, when we were watching it, she uh, she started off like kind of not paying attention and like talking and uh, texting people. I would say about like 15 minutes in she was a hundred percent in watched the entire thing was just like oh my god that was phenomenal yeah it definitely pulls you in and i think that has a lot to do with mark um because mm-hmm. i was i was kind of uh saying briefly via text with rob before this about how like interesting like he's a fascinating person to listen to i i he's such a big reason why it's just like captivating because you're like what the fuck's he gonna say next um you know yeah plus he had his, a, um, obvious passion oh. yeah Sorry, go ahead, Rob. Oh, oh, I was gonna say it's also um. So I I started rewatching it again today, and it starts kind of. There's something about the narrator. Um, he's not great, uh, <laughs> but he's like, in the 1980s there was a horror series. Like it's it's a little bit of a corny narration. Mm-hmm. The quality's not that great. It it feels like something. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a low budget documentary. But then I think. You're right, Kai. Like once Mark comes into it, that's when it really it grabs you because it, yeah. it becomes so personal. And even his flaws are he's mm-hmm. fun to watch, even though oh, yeah. he is kind of a flawed subject in some ways. Oh, no, we went nuts about a dude with like tigers for in the beginning of the pandemic. This is another fascinating. Per- he's just a fascinating person that we're just like, yeah, flaws and all. Yes. Give me Mark Patton. I want to know. Where the oh. fuck have you been for 20 years, Mark? <laughs> it is yeah. one of those things where the flaws does it are, is the thing that makes uh, uh, people interesting uh, mm-hmm. and watching him have to deal with their flaws. But like with Mark specifically, you could see him. It, it does feel like he's holding like a bit of a grudge. Uh, <laughs> but oh, yeah. like, let's be honest, uh, people, some people ruined his life like. It's yeah. it's it's kind of hard to not hold a grudge, but you could but you can also see them be like, it's been forty years, man. Like you got a yeah. whole life now. I think also like the impression that he gives off in the documentary is like when he left. I mean, he got really sick. He almost yes. died, mm-hmm. and then he took off to Mexico. He lives in Puerto Vallarta with his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got. They don't go into it too specifically, but I kind of got the impression that he had put all of this behind him, wasn't thinking about it at all. Mm-hmm. And then when they were doing that, um, is it called Never Sleep Again? Is that yes. what the yeah the I think that's the documentary? Yeah, sixteen hour um, documentary about every Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It seems like when they called him about that, when they finally tracked him down, because they say they had to get a private investigator to find which him, which is great. Right. Yeah. It seems like that was when he was he went and looked online. And yeah. it sounds like that was the first time that he saw all the vitriol and homophobia yeah. Oh, yeah. and all yeah. like the broy horror dudes that are uh, <sighs> overcompensating in their homophobia. You know what I mean? Like Especially. Oh, I hate gay people, don't look at me, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, those are the guys you gotta worry about. But yeah. Ugh. Especially two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah. So I would say in his defense, it seems like it wasn't that he's been holding on to this since he made the movie, but he's been holding on to this since he became aware of oh, yeah. uh, the movie's reputation. 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure it felt like he just got pulled back into it. It must have been like a rush of like, right. oh, okay, old life, you know? I mean, he, right. he I don't want to give, it's so hard not to, want, like, I'm trying to figure out what to talk about and what's not okay to talk about because I still, it, for anybody who hasn't watched this, I'm like, go watch it. Um, you know, I want, but it, it's, like, he's talking about how it was weird to sign, um, you know, things from over 20 some odd years ago because that's what people are there for. That's what they're passionate about when you go to, like, conferences and stuff like that. Uh, but I would imagine he must have, that must have been such a up and down roller coaster of feelings doing that because if it's associated with such a horrible time in your life, there's got to be a transitional period where you're just like selling myself out. Okay, next one, sign this one. Yep. Oh, this one hurts. I remember the pain of my yeah my gay ass then. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, next one. Yeah. I'm sure people who have at least like minor celebrity and they they're signing uh they're signing autographs. They must have they must go back and forth all the time between mm-hmm. like, no, uh, the fans love it. It's great. I love doing this. this is a great job. And then just have a bad day. And they're just like, I hate this. I cannot stand this. I I why would I ever do this? Like, I, I must be selling out right now. He seems very aware, too, because he has a great quote in there where he says, if you're going to be a whore, be the best whore you can be. <laughs> um, so he obviously thinks that there is something hoary about going to horror conventions and taking people's money for something you did 30 plus years ago. But he's, uh, he's also so funny too, when he's like, cause he does have an ego. Yeah. Um, oh, big time. Yeah. He's like, oh, I wonder how Beyonce does it. And he's not even like joking. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm somewhere between Cher and Beyonce, he says, and he calls himself. He's like, when I show up at these things, they really, they want to see the movie star, you know? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. And I mean, he is going to the thing like he is being celebrated. He is going to the very specific group of people who are uh, who consider him to be the movie star, which mm-hmm. which, yeah, I, I think which also like kind of goes goes back to what I was thinking with um, how he might be. Like, it seems like he's holding a grudge. And it's just because like the subject matter of the movie also is him like it's like when you meet an improv person, a lot of time you talk about improv it's because you have that in common. The, they made the movie about it, so it does. It seems like that's all he's talking about. And even the director was like, "Maybe you're holding on to a grudge." It's like, well, it's the thing the two of you have in common. It's the it's the thing that they share. So it and he just had a bad experience with it. That I, I, what seems a, interesting to me. To, uh, to, oh, sorry. Uh, that well, seems interesting to me too because it almost seems a little staged. Like they were like, "We need this father figure, the director, to kind of come in and." and tell him what's what so that we can get to the catalyst that is the, the catalyst to get us to the end of the movie, which is I see his complication yeah. with the screenwriter. But I still liked it. I mean, like, like I just said he had an ego, but he can also check himself too, because they left that in the movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes really, back and forth. I also really like Robert England's response to which is like, yeah, of course it was gay. Oh, I was playing it super gay. You weren't. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I was like, woo, let's do the gay. <laughs> I have a thing with him, too, because at one point he goes, I think the word is homoeroticism or something. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what the word homoerotic yeah. means, Robert England. You didn't have to reach for it. I know. But he's so, like, theatrical, you know? I, that oh, he is. That he is. With with him being theatrical, one of the interesting things was, like, it's a uh, documentary. Everyone's talking heads. They're all just sitting in chairs and they film them talking. He was the only one to get up and demonstrate something. And you can see the camera guy had to, like, pick up the camera and be like, oh, God, we gotta, I got to chase after Robert Englund real quick. We got quick. a live one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Englund saw some scenery he wants to chew. Yeah. Get the, get <laughs> 
Yeah. It's more work. He got did he get paid? Yeah. Per like minute? I don't know how that works for documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> similar uh similar to Mark Patton though, he's he's just a guy that like commands uh attention. Like I would say Mark Patton kind of has like almost an accidental uh way where you're just like kind of drawn to him, while Robert England is really trying to do that, but he's very successful at it. Where he's like, he wants your attention. He's trying to get it and he's just good at good at it. Whereas Mark Patton seems like a guy who's like Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just here and everyone's looking at me. And he kind of acknowledges that a bit. I'm going to look up Robert Englund really quick cuz is he like a Juilliard guy? I feel like he's he seems to me like he has classical training. Let's find out. I feel like he's also definitely took a clowning class or two because he he seems to be like the kind of person that just like knows how to fuck with the moment. Um I don't know why that's like how I that's that's what clowns do. They fuck with the moment. That's my general <laughs> understanding of their jobs. <laughs> Looks like he has a little bit of theater experience, but like yeah. not uh, the kind UCLA. of yeah, not the kind of theater experience that I expect of how he like right uh, presents himself. Mm. Yeah, I like him. Nothing nothing against him, but he is very like. Oh, let me use my hands to bring you in. You know what I mean? Like he's very, uh, he's got a classic. Let me tell you, after watching that remake, if you haven't, don't. But if you ever do, you're gonna <laughs> miss Robert England. Like, I want to find him and hug him after watching that movie. Like, I thank you for being my he, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> he is Freddy, yeah, and yeah, no one else uh, should be ever. <laughs> when Rorschach did it. Uh, it just wasn't the same. It's it's not the same. There's other reasons why that movie's bad, but Rorschach just it's just off. It's just off because we had one guy play him for 20 years. Yeah, I felt that way about um because I told you guys before Nightmare on Elm Street's not my uh franchise so much, but Child's Play is mm-hmm. I it's beloved to me. Oh nice. Um, and they did a Child's Play kind of reboot with Aubrey Plaza. And they had um, Mark Hamill do the voice of Chucky Tight. instead of Brian oh. Dorif. And I was like, I almost, I could have, I almost like flipped the table. I was so upset about it. Well, I mean, uh, voice acting is, voice acting is his thing. He's so fucking amazing at it. So like, I can only imagine. Yeah, I gotta check this out. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, he's not. He hashtag not my Chucky though. You know what I mean? Like, no <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Me. Oh, it's a shame. Oh no, yeah, not not my guy. Yeah, um, there's <laughs> there's a thing with um with voice actors where like they're really great. They do they're amazing at what they do. Um but when you have one voice actor who owns a role for a long long time and then someone else takes over and doesn't matter how great they are, it doesn't matter how close they can get to the voice, it's still just slightly off and it it, mm. it is a little troublesome. Like uh late uh recently uh Kermit the Frog got replaced with a new person after there was uh jim henson for many years and then he got taken over by his protege whose name is it was steve whitmire oh okay yeah no he did that other guy did binya binya it was a different different frog 
That's the only other frog I can think of. I don't know other celebrity. Binya Binya Pollywog. You don't know who Binya Binya is? No. <laughs> Sorry. Anybody who knows who Binya Binya is is on my level. Send me a message at rontreasurepodcast.gmail.com. It's a Disney Channel frog. It's, it's dumb. Someone just pulled their car over like, yes! <laughs> Binya Binya Pollywog! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Binya Binya Pollywog. <laughs> no, you don't need it. It's, I think... Is am I mixing the two shows? It's from Out of the Box, where like kids go inside of a box, but it's oh. just like Doctor Who esque. And am I mixing the two shows? I think oh, I am. It's from Gullagall Island. Yeah, it's never mind. I'm thinking of Out of the Box. That's a different show. I thought the frog also lived next door to the box house, but no, never mind. Uh, yeah, Gullagall Island. That's what it's called. Thank you. I Jim. I would have been watching Gullagall Island at a time that I probably didn't understand language. Uh, okay. Like I was so I was so young watching that show. I didn't know what was going on. I just liked looking at the people in costumes. And I'm just old enough to be like I shouldn't have been watching the show. That's like I'm too old for this. But I was like I love this. This frog is amazing. I'm, I'm so old. It did, I have no idea what it what it is. Honestly, but. no offense, Binya Binya. I don't know where, if you're listening, but you're better <laughs> off, Rob. <laughs> you're better off without this frog in your no, life. No, you're fine. It's it was like a Barney type show. Like yeah. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> I had my version. Do you guys know what Zoobly Zoo is? Have you ever heard of that? No. I'll tell you, it's the same thing. I yeah. haven't seen Gullah Gullah Island, but I can tell you it's the same exact thing oh just my God. 10 years earlier. Rob, we're going to cause a fucking pileup with all these people swerving off the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten Treasure would like to take this opportunity to remind our listeners to wear their fucking seatbelts. And also... Support the gays, y'all. We, we gotta help out the queers, okay? That's what we got from this movie, is that the queers need some more love. So, with that in mind, today's advertisements, all by queer content creators. So get on over to their episodes, give them a listen, give them a rate, give them a review, give them the stars, give them the hearts, let them know that you give a shit, because we need to hear that sometimes. So, without further ado, here's some advertisements by wonderful humans with wonderful content. Throw on your Jinkas, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Since the dawn of time, humans have been desperate for connection. Then we realized we could solicit strangers through the Sunday paper. You've heard of Craigslist Personals? Just imagine the pining and thirst from lonely queers searching for love. Join me, Haley, and my array of guests as we read, drag, and rate personal ads from the 1970s through today. If you love gay yearning, you'll love Q4Q, the queer personal ads podcast. Rob, we're going to cause a fucking pileup with all these people swerving off the side of the road. <laughs> Just enthusiastically, like, yes! Oh my god, I don't even recognize this. That's wild. I, uh, I, also I, had a, I would look it up, but I don't know how to spell it, actually. I, I found it. It's <laughs> um, yeah, because I grew up with, like, a when you're in the 90s, you kind of grow up with weird uh, 80s things, because... Uh, the it, we had tapes all of a sudden so and they were yeah. so popular it's just like I, I watched et so much so like there's a big crossover between 80s and 90s growing up mm-hmm. and i don't recognize this <laughs> oh, yeah zoopily oh. uh, outstanding costume design Ooh. at the daytime emmys Ooh. 
Good for them. I'm gonna have to go down a zoobly zoo rabbit hole and and make <laughs> sure they're all on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, I know I loved that show when I was a kid, and that's one that like I don't know uh, those shows. Whatever the most popular like early childhood shows are, probably change over what like every three four years. I mean, yeah. what's amazing is to find out like the like oh, I don't know I get I don't know how to describe it other than the the show you were like no I need it. <laughs> you know like that was the i don't know maybe some kids or people you know listening remember being like reasonable children unlike apparently i sounded um <laughs> i really loved that purple dinosaur i wanted to watch that show <laughs> yeah Di- uh, barney was definitely that for me. there's a there's a home movie of me and my sister receiving a bunch of uh barney stuff when we're like three or four years old and it's just us screaming Yep. Like that Nintendo, the Nintendo 64 kid, but with Barney. So, like, yeah, I was that kid. Oh, that's cool. I have a uh, a non sequitur. Is that okay? Can we can we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, so it's a question that I had, it, I thought of a little while back, but I want to know the answer. Um, So Mark Patton just flat out kind of disappeared, right? Like, he yeah. jumped off the face of the earth. Given that opportunity, have you thought about this? Do you, do you have a general couple, like idea of where you might go if you needed the dip he didn't do it because he needed to like no one was coming after him and i'm not i'm not saying in that scenario but if you really wanted to just like jump off the earth a little bit and just get away yeah he you I, know like i would i would i would say he needed to like personally yeah like on, on a personal level he was like i gotta get away from america and just go to mexico sure what's that um yeah, I do have another thing about his Mexico day that made me laugh. Um, I don't know where my place would be because I'm so tethered to Philadelphia. I mm. love it here so much. And I never really wanted to live because this feels like home to me. I've never really wanted to live anywhere else. Yeah. But I think um, if I did, if like gun to my head, I had to move somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe like West Coast, like I'm thinking like Napa Valley, like wine country area Ooh. would be a nice place to live. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. A little mm-hmm. slowdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, Philly's not Philly's somehow both the combination of both fast and slow. Um, right. I mean, like you get to have these little tiny quiet moments, but it's amongst like a fast moving city. Um, yeah, but not too fast. It's not New York. You can still no. own a car here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. You know. No, he, yeah. There's there's people walking slow and fast in such a chaotic amount that everyone's just yelling at everybody. But whereas in you know what I mean, like it's. Just, <laughs> It's it's there's a much more diversity in the, the speed and where we're going and everyone's kind of just uh, I say right. we sorry I'm not currently in Philadelphia anymore uh, but there is like a, a little you bit were of there like, though yeah there's a little bit of like beautiful chaos um, in that city that I that I like about the energy of uh, of walking the pacing living in M- Manhattan for a couple of years I still have that energy in me and it makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it like I don't like I don't like walking in that city. Yeah, I always thought that I wanted to move to New York when I was younger. And then when I started spending time in New York and like staying at friends places, I was like, oh, God, I get so much more bang for my buck in Philadelphia. Yeah. And New York is a quick, you know, at max, I can be there in two hours if I need to be, you know. And there's something nice about that, too, knowing that like, oh, New York City, greatest city in the world is it's only two hours away. I can get there real quick if I want to. Yeah. Um, I had I had that also that moment as a. uh as a young adolescent, uh, when I wanted to go to New York and be like, oh, I want to live in New York. Like, that's it. 
that's so cool. Everyone, everyone talks about living in New York. And then I think over time, I was just like, I don't think the crowd that lives in New York is my crowd. Like, not anymore. I mean, uh, uh, decades ago, they may have been, but now it feels like, especially in Manhattan, even Brooklyn, like, mm-hmm. you kind of got to be either. Uh, it's a lot of trust fund kids. It's a lot mm-hmm. of rich kids that yeah. that are getting the New York experience now. And by as a result, the New York experience isn't the same thing that it used to be, you know? Yeah. Which is you get that more in a city like Philadelphia or Baltimore or or Minneapolis, I would assume, too. You know, like the the other city, the also ran cities have actually like artistic culture kind of things going on. You know, I haven't been in New York City in a while, but something tells me if I go to Brooklyn right now, I can be in a raw bar and there's like five that I can see from that spot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but (laughs) Uh, when I was there, it was like that with Starbucks, actually. I could be in one and see, like, three. For, that was weird. I didn't like that feeling. <laughs> yeah, right? To be able to I see, mean, like, other ones, like, more than one from the one you're in is not good. <laughs> yeah. I know when I, um, when I first learned improv, I did it at UCB in New York because I just wanted to go to that theater because I knew about it, and that was the draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and took all the classes there. And then I got involved. I was on an indie team because that's what happens when you take classes. You make friends and then you form an indie team. It's part of like your learning experience. Yeah. Um, but it became so much like not worth it just to pay 32 bucks to take the train up on a Monday night to like bomb at a bar in front of like just <laughs> a bunch of other improvisers that are at your level. Yeah. Um, but then I got involved as much fun as it was. I really did enjoy that time in my life going to New York and making the friends that I did there and learning there. Um, but then when I got involved in Philly, I was like, Oh my God, it's home. Yeah. It's also, I got so much more stage time mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and experience in Philly that made me better. Whereas in New York, it's so the, the, there were so many more fish in the pond mm-hmm. and there's bigger opportunities there, but it's way more competitive and there's way more, people that you're going to have to battle it out with to get those opportunities so whereas in philly there's you know not bit like you're not going to get a staff writing job on a on a, a late night show necessarily but you are going to get a whole lot more time and experience on stage you know i was going to say you're not going to be begging for reps constantly you're not going to be like please can i do the funny I, thing with you guys oh, okay yeah. i get one chance yeah. and everyone's watching and if i do it poorly i'm ruined <laughs> oh I remember thinking that the first time I got on stage, like in Philadelphia, where I was just like, if I, because I, I, I bombed the very first time I got on stage, as we all did, because how sure. could you ever, <laughs> how could you ever get on stage and instantly be perfect? Um, but I remember bombing the very first time, and it was in front of everyone in, in the comedy community, and I remember just being like, that I've done it, I've, I've ruined my chances. I've been in this for a month. I've, I've, I can't do this anymore. This is the worst thing. Kai was there. Uh, oh baby, that's so sad. I'm so sorry, Jim. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> thinking that, and then you know, a couple months went by, and I was like, "Oh no, the people in Philadelphia are reasonable people, and they just—if you're nice, you're in. Like yeah. you've done it. Yeah. You're a comedian." And they've been there too. They've had the exact same experience, and yep. everyone forgets about it. Like I don't—I don't remember my own improv shows. I don't remember any. You know what I mean? Like it's. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the point of it is it's gone as soon as it's over, you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah. There's a there's a moment where we did uh, a karaoke jam, and the song was Africa. Uh, and I don't really know the lyrics to the song. I never really listened to it, you know, really. It wasn't a song for me. Like, growing up, didn't really <laughs> rotate into my playlist. 
so when someone, you know, they did it and then we're supposed to improvise off of it. Honestly, all I remembered was like airplanes. Okay, sure. Uh, so I just ran across the stage randomly when Joe Gates was just doing something, nothing to do with airplanes and went, that was like week one of me ever doing it of other people. And Joe Gates is such a delight. was like, well, that was weird. And just like, <laughs> like acknowledged it with the scene, like, and everyone laughed and they're like, yeah, that made no sense. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, sure. You gotta you gotta address it at least. Yeah, that was the that was the same uh, jam guy that I was in. That I oh okay, that's I, where we both I, sucked uh-huh, really really yeah. bad. <laughs> and oh. uh, the jams were really fun and really scary. You know, there is something yeah. like nervous when you're sitting there and you know you're gonna be called up. You don't know who you're gonna be paired with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's God. fun. That's anxious, anxiety inducing. But I think it's like a good fun anxiety. Um, as long as it's a supportive room. Because I, I never went to these, but I heard at some point, uh, oh, I won't get into specifics, but I heard they tried to do like an American Idol style jam. No. Where there were people kind of criticizing. Ooh. Wouldn't like wrong that. about this? I don't know if they did that, but that could sounds, you, that sounds ooh, wild. Could you be thinking of, um, there was one show that, where it was teachers who were there? That would have been... Um, Oh, what was that called? Where they paired you up with teachers? Yeah, because um, that's because that, I did that show and that was great for my uh for me uh, when I did it. Yeah, I can't think what that's called, but Steve Klein Edler used to run it, and then Joe Tuzzi ran it. Mm-hmm. It was um, Joe. Uh, Joe was doing it when I did it. Uh, yeah, I was paired uh, up I with Ralph. And I, I remember did that a bunch. Maybe I'm wrong because I never saw it in person. I just heard tell of it that they were. It was fit that there were uh, they were bringing back the jam mm-hmm. and that there were a few moderately experienced improvisers that were like at it. Uh, and this could totally be my imagination. So no, like, the, this yeah. could all be just a dream that I had. But that there were um, a few people that were there sort of giving notes to the students that would get up and do a, a jam scene. And I was like, oh. I was like, this is unacceptable. First of all, what gives you the authority? You know what I mean? And to make people feel uncomfortable in that way is such a bad, such a bad recipe for. Yeah. And, yeah. If I want um, notes, I'll go to a practice group. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, what I want is my teachers uh, and improv instructors. If you're listening ever uh, and you teach me again, just give me notes when I'm on like dates uh, with, <laughs> you know, when like I when I'm OK, give me like come up to me when I'm in the middle of my wedding, you know, just really like just real quick. Uh, I just think you could have done the walk a little bit stronger, you know, try to get. Uh, I just didn't feel like you came in with any intention. Uh, yeah. and that's really hurting your chances right now. So just get back out there. Just get into intention. Yeah. Be less performative. Um, go. I'm also the worst at giving hard notes. Like I'm always like try to be as supportive as possible. I'm like. Guys, you know what I mean? Kai came in as an airplane. It's the thing that it's supposed to make. We're going to support it, you know? Yeah, it's great. <sighs> Maybe it's there. not what the scene needed, but guess what? It was there. You know, it's a gift. It's very... So. It's very interesting, try, like, reading the uh, the instructors when sometimes you can see them be like, okay. And you, you can clearly see them be like, okay, that really wasn't good improv. But, like, <laughs> but, yeah, like. I'm so that person. You can tell a mile away when I didn't like something, but I might not. But I'm, like, I'm, I'm still supportive, trying to give it a positive spin. <laughs> but I think I'm, like, anyone could call bullshit on that. Anyone can tell. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. The number thanks for, one. Thanks for the quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the number one note I get that I can always tell I did something the quote unquote wrong. Um, but uh, the, the the instructor doesn't want to say it is. What did you have in mind when you came in doing yeah. that? And I'm always like, oh, oh, I've said that a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I've. I'm usually honest with them where I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have anything in mind. It just popped in my head and I started doing it. Um, and I didn't know where it was going and it kind of showed. And every time the teacher goes, okay, yeah, I saw that. And I go, mm-hmm. we, we gave each other a note. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, there's something about that Jim too. I think uh, a light bulb just went off. I think that's part of the reason why I don't like giving hard notes is because sometimes like, the student already knows what they did and what went wrong, you know, like you don't need to rub it in. Like they already learned the lesson as soon as it happened. So if I ask them, what was the reason that you did that? They're going to be like, I don't know. It was the wrong thing to do. And I'll go, great. Like why? I don't know why we're having the conversation. You know what I mean? Like it's just get, I don't know. I, I'm just not a conflict guy, I guess. Well, but. to the other side of that, um, I enjoy it when, uh, when I get that note from a teacher because it says yeah. to me, like, oh, you know how you felt bad about that? Yeah, you you did something wrong. Like, th- that, like, that's not, that wasn't right. Whereas sometimes I do something right and I'm just like, I still feel bad about it because it didn't, it didn't elicit anything. Like, it didn't elicit any, like, laugh or uh, reaction. And I'm like, that must have been wrong then. I must have done a bad thing. And, but if the teacher says yeah. nothing, then I, I, I kind of internalize it. But if I do something bad and everyone knows it's bad and the teacher's like, you know, that was bad. I get I get to go. Oh, thank God. I I wasn't the only one thinking that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. There's also people, students that I've had that have been like, give me the hard notes. I really want the hard notes. Like they're a little yeah. bit um, masochistic in that way. <laughs> yeah. You're like, and listen, I'm, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you should be yeah. in my class. <laughs> yeah. Rethink that jacket. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah they paid you money to get you to say that to them (laughs) that's great (laughs) um but i'm always like i'm not that guy that gives the hard notes because ultimately like and and i i get what you're saying like sometimes it's necessary but there's different teachers there's some teachers that are really good at that there's some teachers that are good at like the compliment sandwich where it's like this is really good this could use work but this is really good you know and then you wrap the criticism in, in two compliments mm. um i think i'm more that type but uh uh i think it comes down to like we're supposed to be having fun here right like if it's not this doesn't matter like this whatever you mm-hmm. did in a practice group improv scene is not going on your permanent record nope. you know what i mean they're not i doubt they're going to be going over it when you get to the gates of heaven so like <laughs> if we're not having fun then i'm not i'm not the hard notes guy yeah, yeah sorry to I... disappoint <laughs> Kai and I had um one time uh John Plester came in to uh to uh coach to guest coach our team and he he was phenomenal at that uh uh the compliment sandwich like oh you did this really good you could have done this a little bit better that was really great but you did this really good and at the very end uh he he made sure everyone knew like he like pointed every single person went you did this extremely well you did this extremely well you did this extremely well remember guys this is just having fun you're having a good time like yeah. i'm just here to i'm here to help improve but remember you're you're good at as it is yeah <laughs> i love that that's the that's the way to do it 
yeah is all incredibly um, helpful because i have to process because uh i'm starting back up my 401 class here at huge theater uh next tuesday so like thank you for reminding me to like knock it fully into my head constantly and that none of it really fucking matters right. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's supposed to be fun i'm supposed to go have fun exactly if we're not having fun then don't yeah don't bother if it's too stressful not Ugh. worth it I do get to go back to doing mask prov though, which is my least favorite thing. So it's just hard to do improv with a mask on, but that's that's what we do for class. <laughs> is it like a kabuki kind of thing, or is it like um? <laughs> so we're all wearing like, Jason. Uh, no, you can wear whatever you want. Some people wear a Jason mask, okay. um, <laughs> which is weird because honestly, the fact that there's five of them, it's like, did you guys plan this, or it's just like a bit, you know? Like I don't know, <laughs> but no, we have to. <laughs> 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 yeah, doing. You know, I'm glad because we're we're being extra cautious, which is great. Uh, but it is definitely very challenging to try to fully get all of someone's emotions with a mask on, for sure. Oh, you mean? I, I'm sorry. You meant just? I I thought you meant like, oh no, everyone has a blank expressionless mask. And, <laughs> oh no no no, that would be no. Everyone's wearing the, uh, the everyone's wearing the ghost face uh, from Scream. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I've been picturing uh, like the the like drama masks, like the happy face <laughs> and the sad face. No, yeah, or like kabuki thing, or like archetypes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. but no, I get it. I'm, the class I'm teaching right now. We are wearing masks too. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of worried about it at first because I was like, oh man, this kills it. Like, I want to see people's full expressions, full faces, and also it's going to be hard to hear. I I was so surprised. It's not really been a problem. It's been. I, I think it also really depends on. I think I don't know about you, but I got really lucky with the people. And I think the people all were like, well, yeah. you know what? We're here. We're going to give 110 percent with what we got. They're just I happen to get linked up with people who are like, OK, cool. You know, like we're still going to ha- we're going to have to figure out how to vibe with each other with just our eyes and get context clues from just like we're all a bunch of fucking the one off fucking weirdo statements we make. So we were able to kind of be like, all right, getting a little bit. Thank you for being a little bit more yourself. Thank you for being a little bit more yourself. Like it's nice to be around a, a group of people who um, how do I put it. Like, doesn't you know how sometimes you're in a room and it just feels like one person's leaning back and it's like a little uncomfortable because everybody like it, you've taught classes you know there's always like one or two people who are like are you okay just so you know you're part of the class too <laughs> there's not a single yeah. one of there's not a single one of us in that which is nice uh there's just oh that's cool a that's whole room of just like let's fuck with it let's clown um and it worked out so it's it can I still got, mask prof can still work go to rob's class yeah <laughs> i got really lucky with this class too because the students are all like it's it's for experienced improvisers or like intermediate to experienced and it's mm-hmm. um mostly like premise pull stuff like we're pulling premises for monologues and news stories and things like that so it's maybe more verbal more based on like dialogue and initiations so that's been working but i also got really lucky just because i think everybody in the class is really um smart and funny and like, i just like they're all i'm really happy with it and especially during like a pandemic and also we had a snowstorm in philly last weekend so a lot of people couldn't make it to class like i'm not worried about attendance or people missing because i know they're going to be fine when they get back they're going to be right on the same page quickly you know let me ask you this do you think that do you think the pandemic kind of like weeded out some assholes when it comes to people that would come to <laughs> improv classes you know what I mean? Like, uh, like the people that are going to be like, well, I'm not going to follow them damn rules <laughs> uh, <Right>. about <laughs> are probably the people you didn't want in your your class anyways. Um, I don't know, because that happens in like 101 mostly like those. Right, right, right. I haven't thought that a lot. Um, cool. Although um, 
Tanya Morgan is teaching a 101 after my class, and she's in my class. So I've been trying oh. to get the school. Oh. And they're like, how's this going? How's the one? That's you know fine. what I mean? So I'll, I'll ask her on Sunday again, too. Like, nice. I'm just curious to hear how how the 101's going in this Yeah, because, like, time. the people who are like, you know what? I'll go wear a mask and do improv right now. I love it enough. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, you got to really like improv at least a little bit. Uh, right. Ex- a little bit more than just being indifferent. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of myself as a person who loves improv, and even I'm just like, ooh, wear a mask to do improv. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like to put pants on to get the mail. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> it's uh, That being yep. said, once again, if you're listening, and uh, also, um, Joe Bernard, if you're listening, it's totally worth it. I'm excited to come do improv again. That's for sure. Nice. I am glad to hear uh, all the. Uh, the like workshops coming up again because what you what you just said that sounds like a great workshop that i'm like damn if this were any other time i 100 percent would have taken that class that sounds so good like that's something i need to work yeah. on personally yeah this one's it's through crossroads comedy which is mike marbach's theater that he put together and um he's got a bunch of classes coming up in the spring i know Kristen shears doing a workshop okay some stuff is online some stuff is in person in philly but it's mm-hmm. sort of it's a brand new theater so it's yeah a mix of figuring things out and how they work in this new new world that we live in but um but yeah he's definitely got some really good teachers and teachers involved including some people that used to live in philly that aren't in philly anymore that are doing online classes um Mm -hmm. so yeah worth worth checking out it's uh for the listeners it's xroadscomedy.com i'll I'll tell this to anybody right now who's listening and if you're thinking about doing improv and are like oh i don't want to do online improv i want to wait um there are people in my my improv that came into my 301 class, and I've probably mentioned this, I think, on the podcast, who only did improv 101 and 102. Uh, like, one, 101 and 201 were online. Um, and that was their only experience with improv before doing 301 in person with masks. Um, they were, came to it with, like, it, it's they did their homework. Like, they, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, it is a little bit more, like... I don't know. I, I feel I would I feel a little bit more on, on the spot when I'm in like a Zoom. Like everybody's gets to watch me. You know what I mean? So like I think everybody was a little bit probably more engaged. Uh, and I bet was better at taking notes on for online classes. Um, I'm sure it has its pros and cons. You know, because uh, yeah. everybody wants reps and everybody wants to actually do the games in person. Um, but it is I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just basically saying to anybody who's like, oh, I don't want to go do stuff because uh, I don't feel safe. There are other options and they're actually they're not, you know, it's not something you're just settling for. They're actually good in and of themselves. Yeah, some people really like it. Um, yeah, and I, it's, it's not for me. I don't think I would want to teach a class or take a class online just because for me, I feel like the best Zoom prov that I did during the pandemic was where we were actually acknowledging that we were on Zoom or some mm-hmm. sort of like facetime situation like when we do that and we don't have to like suspend the disbelief of the fact like when we're not pretending that we're in the same room then i felt like it worked really well Mm -hmm. um but there's something about the i don't know there's something about like the technical remove that doesn't work for me but i've heard from plenty of other people who are like i i love it i think it's great so um personal preference yeah i i went through a, a because we we did it daddy issues did it for a year um we while we were doing it, hated it. Couldn't stand it. It's it's so difficult to do. There's a lot of like there's there's things like it's harder to read people's emotions, harder to read people's body language. Uh, uh, but when I got back on stage after that, I felt like a whole new performer because 
it felt like we went through like the hard mode of doing it. And also we had Joe Gates at the time. Joe Gates, wonderful coach. And he he really he really got us through that. He he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like once we got once I got on stage, it's like uh, I don't know. Uh, do you play guitar, Rob? Yeah. Oh, dang. Uh, Have you played Guitar Hero, Rob? <laughs> I have, yeah. I can okay. follow a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a thing that, like, <laughs> playing, a, playing an electric guitar is easier than playing a uh, an acoustic guitar. So if you play an acoustic for a long, long time, when you play an electric guitar, it's it's like playing butter. I, yeah, that was a good oh, sentence. Uh <laughs> Man, I'm Clapton all of a sudden. <laughs> Minus the hatred of immigrants and vaccines. <laughs> Do you want that to be the quote? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That works. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, it, it might have been the thing where it's like we went through a hard mode of uh of doing improv, so then going back to what it normally is like made it easier all of a sudden. Yeah, I surprisingly felt very good that night where we did live improv after doing uh, online with y'all for for a hot minute again. Um, the only thing that I forgot was like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to go up. I got like I brought my chair up right up into the front row and I was like, oh, wait, that's right. We're supposed to keep our distance. Forgot about that. I was so excited about doing improv again in person. that I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, forgot about the new boundaries. Got to follow those ones, too. Um, oh, gosh, I was excited because we got to do. uh all, all of the people at Huge Theater, I don't know what their current policies are, but um, they are the guests. If you go in, you wear a mask during the, the shows as an audience member. Um, and for our class show, we, you know, basically did a vote, blind vote. And you close your eyes. And if anybody, not a, if a single person was like, no, we all need to wear masks, that's what we would have chose. It was just like on the line of like, where is everybody at? Everyone we know is vaccinated. But like, are you comfortable going out on stage and doing a your class show without a mask? And we were very lucky that, you know, no one had to be made felt uncomfortable. Everybody, um, I actually forgot that I was wearing mine until like four minutes into the show. Um, I don't know if y'all have experienced forgetting you're wearing a mask during all of this. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did it while doing improv. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't have to have this for the last, there's a whole other part of my improv skills that the audience didn't get for four minutes. Most of my, my quality work is like jaw related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, when I describe Kai, I'm like, they're a lot lower half act, lower half of the face acting, a lot of mouth kind of stuff, a lot of kissy faces. Thank you. I'm glad you picked up on my my, my top <laughs> skills. <laughs> oh. um, my class show is the 23rd, I think. So I'm wondering if maybe by then we won't need the masks for at least for the performers on stage. That would be nice, but right. yeah. we'll see what happens. I think everyone's like, we're making the best of it, making lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. So. <laughs> I think lemons it's all about lemonade. you make risk assessment and then you make sure that everybody is like no one's having to be what's the word I'm looking at? you don't want to force people to go uh, against their own agency yeah. you know what I mean like you just need to make right. sure everybody's able to do the thing that they need to do for themselves uh, yeah I feel like if one person is like no I, I want to wear the mask then let's all wear the mask well, like, who, who yeah. cares? it's been going fine so I would say improv of all the things I've taken on in my adult life or even in my, you know, my adolescence is like a hobby. Um, it is already stressed enough that it's a shared space and that everybody should be on the same page. If if mm-hmm. it's ever been stressed even more, it's during a time in which you can all get a, you know, a deadly virus. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's the other nice thing about this class too, is everyone had to be vaccinated and boosted in order nice. to and yep, send same. in a copy of their um, their card. Yep. Um, so on the first day I was like, you guys, I know we all got to wear this mess. Like we're all the good people. We all did our job. <laughs> <laughs> we're just suffering the consequences of other people's actions, but it's kind of nice to be in a room with all the people that like did the right thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, listeners who can't take them, uh, for other reasons, you were, we oh, love you. Yeah. Um, right. please keep listening. We, we already told Republicans, I think like two episodes back to stop listening. So <laughs> at this, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of immunocompromised. Oh, I'm, Sorry, I, there's, there's, there's a Venn diagram. And I'm not saying, you know, the, yeah. the, the, there's nuances to all these crossovers, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, for the most part, I think most of our uh, extra promotions at the end of episodes have been like, get vaccinated, get boosted. Yeah, we get a lot of those, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'll promote that every episode. If I need to repeat it at the end, maybe I should do that. It There's always like a weird like sigh of relief that I get when someone mentions like that they're boosted and they're happy about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like, oh, thank God I can speak to you. Like, I, I'm not like holding anything back. <laughs> Once in a while, you meet someone, they're just like, ugh, these vaccines, and you're just like, eh, they're they're good though. Uh, we're not. I don't think you and I are gonna converse now. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've definitely been having. Oh wow, this is like a, a circulation in my world. I've, I had a um a friend find out. This is really terrible. Let's bring it back to, to queer stuff because that's what this episode was about. Um. Queer, one of, one of my friends that I've been uh, lucky to get to know a little bit more here in Minneapolis was telling me that they had a uh, <laughs> they had a queer who lied about being vaccinated in order to hang out with them. Ooh. Yeah. And they, they, they hung out in a way that's very intimate and definitely not cool to lie about being vaccinated uh, and then to come forth and tell the truth. But I was just like, I forget that, once again, the Venn diagrams are a little all over the fucking place, but I'm just like, there's this really anti-vax and they were also apparently they they also showed some true colors afterwards and were very uh they dropped the n-word uh they uh they were like oh by the way i'm also a trump supporter so like it was like a really just like a by the way all the things you probably should have known or wanted to know about me uh here they are um wow okay so listen if you feel called out right now and you are a queer person who checks these boxes what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are you you? Um, Again, once in a while, we take controversial stances here on Rotten Treasure, and uh, this is not one of them. Uh, yeah, don't do those things. <laughs> oh, I, I think I can tie it back into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, let's find out how Rob's going to pull this off right after this commercial break childhood remember that you could walk down the street you could get an ice cream cone you could go to school you could do homework for five hours and then lament about the fact that you're wasting your youth hi i'm ross i'm the host of kid flicks it's the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made we've covered more than 150 different movies including all four of the shrek movies including shrek 2 which we reviewed in two different episodes definitely give us a listeny listeny and subscribe wherever you get podcasts unless you get podcasts from that creepy guy down the street don't let him open his trench coat there's no podcasts in there but seriously give us a listen won't you kid flicks it's a podcast 
Hey everybody, Kai Bobby here, the other host. Uh, as some of you know, uh, we do have a couple tiers available on our Patreon, one of which is the Captain's Log, and not only do you have the power to vote uh, for upcoming franchises, and also the uh, access to early episodes and bonus episodes, you also get to promote whatever the hell you want, as long as it's not a cult. Uh, that is a hard rule, we have not made other rules, so uh, I guess give us a reason to make new rules. Uh, Crimson is so wonderful that he has encouraged me to use this time to promote my cat's GoFundMe. Unfortunately, my little buddy Oliver had to have his dick cut off. Yeah. Sometimes cats can't go to the bathroom, and then you gotta cut their dicks off. So, if you happen to have some dollars on you, uh, feel free to check out the GoFundMe available on our Instagram, uh, and also probably in the description for how you got here on some sort of listening platform. Aside from that, consider maybe joining us on Patreon, a dollar a month, one way to help pay for a cat's dick operation, but also help us make really difficult decisions like should we watch every single Jaws, or should we do every single Land Before Time movie? We can't make these decisions on our own. Thank you so much, Crimson. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. Oh, I, I think I can tie it back into the movie. Because <laughs> um, what you were saying, I th- I was saying something to this effect earlier, but it's funny, like, uh, rewatching it when all, like, the homophobic comments come up or flash on the screen. <laughs> um, it's always the people that protest too much that you got to worry about because they're, I mean real straight guys like that are like 100% straight fall that far on the Kinsey scale. Mm -hmm. They don't care that much. They're not thinking about it. It doesn't affect them. They're not worried about it. It, The people that protest are the people that are repressed that have, you know what I mean? Kai, you said it earlier when you were like, I call out people for the things I don't like about myself. Like Mm -hmm. that's what that is. You know, those are the most dangerous people are just queer people in denial, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, this is this is why I love Jim. Jim, you're gay. Oh, <laughs> shit! Dang Great. it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim, I'm sorry. Is that is that it? Did I kill you? <laughs> <laughs> I I have to leave the show now because Kai, Kai called me gay. Well, I'm out of here. It's, it's fifth grade all over again. <laughs> no, you I just have like, to say, oh, thanks. No, I I had that feeling while watching this, though, because there was definitely a lot of like, well, I mean, I'm not gay, but, um, you know, I mean, it's fine if you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had um, I've mentioned this. There was two people who had asked me if I was going to be on Low Hanging Fruit, which is the uh, the Mm -hmm. uh, it's a queer group of uh, improvisers who kind of like there's like 80 people. It's such a big group of people. It's It's more of a ensemble that is just. I was in the founding of that. Ooh, we got a founder here, folks. Okay. It was, well, I don't, I don't know that I'd call myself a founder, but I was in the conversation Mm -hmm. and it was just four of us to start. I remember, I think it was Ralph Andracchio, Steve Klein. I think Vito Salerno was in there. If you guys know him, he hasn't been around in a while, but he was a really good improviser. Um, but it eventually became like if anybody who wants to, anybody who says they're queer sometimes on a Sunday is yeah. allowed to join. The <laughs> You're like, like someone shows up, they're just like, hey, I've done some hand stuff like once, and they're like, yeah, get out of here. No one is turned away as yeah. long as they're cool with identifying as a low-hanging fruit. Tight. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was uh, there was a show. Uh, I think it was at a Black Friday thing, and two separate people were like. 
I had mentioned like, oh, I'm going to, uh, uh, oh, low hanging fruits tonight. And then they'd go, and two people went, oh, are you in that? And I was like, oh, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm not queer. I'm not any of the things that would qualify for me to be in that group. And both people were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And I was just like, oh, look, it's look, I, I know how I present. I, I, I've met myself. Like, it's totally fine. Like, it, and it's not a, it's not an insult. Like, oh, oh dang, yeah. you called me gay. What, what? I, I, I guess I can't show my face here anymore. <laughs> no, but it's them just being like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, then you're just a silly person. In which case, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess I just have to readjust to the, you just being a silly person that I know. Okay, hello. <laughs> yeah, it's the 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 old the John Mulaney joke of uh, oh, uh, they put, put all the right ingredients in place, but just didn't flip the switch. Uh, it's almost like people are just a non, like, I don't know, just... We're little snowflakes. We're all just so little different, you know. It's all such chaos. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, sorry. What I mean by that, Jim, is that, uh, yeah, whatever uh, switch got flipped for you to exist, it's just fucking chaos. Who knows what people are gonna be? Um, how you act and how you identify are completely separate things. Um, yeah. Yeah. As you know. Sorry, I don't mean to come at you, Jim. Stop being such a <laughs> simple-minded. <laughs> <laughs> Stop being so hateful. Um, so back uh, uh, back to the movie. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think that at the ending, when he does confront David Chaskin, the screenwriter, um, I think that's fascinating. The whole thing and how quickly like Mark wants to forgive him and be buddies with him. Okay. Um, I, I think Rob, it's really so interesting. Sorry. Rob, I'm really, 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 I'm, you have no idea how sorry I am to do this to you, but my cat is peeing and it is really important because he hasn't peed for like a forever amount of time and he's been like, we've been worried about him. So I, this isn't, doesn't have to be part of the podcast. You're going to restart exactly in the beginning of this, uh, 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 but uh, I need to observe how he's doing because he hasn't been doing great. Yeah. Go for it. I'll be right back. You two just either continue the podcast for a quick second and I'm going to watch my cat pee. Yeah, we'll we'll cool. we'll talk about the uh the the thing. So thank you. It. Um, yeah, that the final confrontation was very very interesting in a lot of ways. I which I think the like first of all when you see him he shows up he is shaking with emotions the whole time. Well, not the whole time, well, especially Marcus. at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah. You can see him like he he has all this resentment toward this man and he just doesn't. He he really truly hates him, but wants to forgive him. But like you can also see in him just like this guy ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny because I don't think David gives him that much. Like he's no in his body language. He's he's very not even defensive. Like a little cagey. He's just like I don't know what to tell you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, eventually, he he concedes and he apologizes and he's like, oh. "If I hurt you, that wasn't my intention, and I'm sorry." You know, and yeah. that's all Mark needs to be like, I like he wants this to be over with, you know. And um, mm. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't. I found something kind of like I find Mark endearing in the whole thing for how quick he is to forgive. Yeah. And afterward, I like when he says um. David's not responsible for homophobia. He's not responsible for AIDS. He's not responsible for yada yada. But I, I was, I needed a focal point, and I put all that on him. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. feels like, even though David doesn't give a whole lot, it feels like it was still catharsis for Mark, 
and it's touching. I think the ending's touching that he's like, I put it behind me. Now I'm going to go hang out with some drag queens dressed like Freddy Krueger. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you didn't ruin the ending. That's If anything, it's enticing people to go watch it. That's that's right. <laughs> something yeah. you, you all need to see. When he, um, um, <coughs> It felt like a lot of that conversation was cut out. It felt oh, like that was sure. a 45-minute conversation that we saw five minutes of because yep. it it very clearly went from uh, Mark Patton like angry and like uh, and like being like please like I need you to see what you've done like this is you like the things you said and how they're hurtful and uh, David Chaskin's being like well you know it, it's whatever it's not my fault uh, these things happen and then it almost instantly goes from that to Mark Patton being like do you see how I am and he's just like Yes, I see your side of things. I'm sorry if I if I hurt you, which he kind of a half apology, but oh, still. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I I wanted to rewatch it and unfortunately I didn't make, I didn't sneak in rewatching the apology part. Um, but I'm very familiar with this type of apologizing. Uh Dad, I, you already stopped listening when I said Republicans should stop listening, so I think we're good um at this point cuz he listens. He's a good guy. He just says, "Oh, thank you, child. I'll stop listening." Um, but he raised me on Happy Days and is a big fan of quoting the Fonz when he's like, "I'm cuz the Fonz can't admit that he's wrong. He can't say the word wrong." Um uh so like I felt like it was definitely very much so um, that what's his name? Is it David? What's the writer's name? David Dan, Chaskin. Sure. David Chaskin. Uh, he he clearly just like he needed probably at least 30 minutes to get to a point where he's like, what am I apologizing for? Oh, what's that being oh, yeah. being like acceptably homophobic in the 80s? Yeah, I guess I can give a half apology about that. Um, yeah. And I don't mean acceptably as in like we should accept it now. We did we a lot of fair amount of us were like that's fine on television, that's fine on movies. Of course, uh, he's being homophobic. That's what we want. That's the content we we live for. Um, I'm yeah. just going on a rant. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can see a lot of like the conversation being probably it was probably a very like running in circle conversation wise that got got cut down because uh, I could imagine it being a lot of like David Chaskin being like because he said this. Uh, but I admitted to it. What do you mean? Like, and then Mark Pat being like, but you admitted it when it was okay to admit it. You didn't admit it when it was like bad to admit it. Like right. you you didn't take responsibility when it was a bad thing. You took responsibility when it was a good thing. So you didn't really do anything there. You just took advantage of uh, the situation. He does. Um, he does answer for that at some point in the documentary. Um, but yeah, he doesn't go deep into it. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't seem that remorseful. But I think there, I forget, it's before the conversation. I think there's a point when they play a quote from David where he's like, yeah, he kind of just cops to like, yeah, I, I lied about it. And then I, yep. yeah, and then I admitted it, you know? I, I couldn't tell if it was like, maybe it was a fairly unsatisfying adventure and they, uh, and they just kind of, because it's a movie, it, because it's a documentary, they were just like, well, I guess, I guess we're good. Or, if, Probably it probably what happened was it was it was pretty unsatisfying uh, apology and then Mark Patton was just like I, I guess I I guess I can't be angry for my whole life like I'm not I'm not I'm not as angry as I used to be about it so yeah I, I think we've all been in a, a, a discussion with someone where either they were wrong or you were like or we were wrong and we're like. And someone in the conversation was just like, 
I just want you to admit you're wrong. Like, that's all I want. Like, mm-hmm. you you know you're wrong. I don't know why you're sticking to your guns right now. Please just say you're wrong. And I've been I've been on both ends of that more often. The the one needing to admit that they're wrong because mm-hmm. the arrogant know-it-all as a child. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. But, you know, it's it it's it's a conversation that happens all the time. Yeah. And I I think there's a lot to be said, too, for the fact that this was a really Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was a really rushed movie because it comes out within a year of the first one. So I think whatever David Chaskin did, I think he did it really fast and probably didn't think much about it at all. And um, I think he's he seems pretty dismissive of it. You know, like if you look at his credits, he he hasn't done a whole lot. I feel like there's a lot of screenwriters in, in Hollywood that like he may be script doctoring things, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's probably still making a living as a writer, even if he's not getting credits, but, right. um, but yeah, he doesn't seem particularly proud of it. It seems like he took a job and had an idea. Um, I, cause if you watch the, we talked about this before, but when you watch the movie, the, the gay subtext is not well thought out, you know? No. Um, no. I think he just, wrote a quick script and they made a quick movie and oh. didn't really consider Mark Patton's feelings. Cause even the director says at one point, he's like, yeah, I didn't really know you. You know what I mean? You came in, we did the thing. I said goodbye. I never thought about you again. You know, of course. Yeah. 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 I, a lot of, a lot of times it is just a job. They're not really like, they're not putting their heart and soul into it all the time. They're not really thinking it through. They're just, he probably was just <laughs> like, Oh, what's scary for a teenage boy. Ah, being gay. It's the eighties. Oh. That's perfect. I'm going to write a movie about yeah. that. And, and then every, didn't you know, think about it at all, how harmful that could be. You know, everyone on set was like, oh, I know what the, they all knew what this was. They knew it was a rush job. They knew it was a cash grab. Like they were just like, but also Mark Patton was like, oh, I just I'm going to ride this high. I'll fucking absolutely do a feature film. So 100 percent would say yes to this. Um, but I would imagine most people on set knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. Well, I think that might be like the uh, the crux of it is for 95% of the people who were on uh who were on the crew and cast and all that this is just another movie it was just another job but for Mark Patton this was his big break this was a mm-hmm. big deal for him and the fact that everyone was treating it no, so nonchalantly is probably a big a probably a big thing for him where he was just like you guys just threw my life away mm-hmm. although Mark doesn't seem to care i don't th- he doesn't strike me as a fan of the original like i think at one point he says like they showed it to him after he got the job oh no way so he's also grabbing it you know what i mean he's like it's a leading role i think that's what mattered to him yeah i don't think he gives a shit about freddy krueger you know he yeah. was doing mountain dew commercials yeah he was like yeah i'll <laughs> yeah. do it <laughs> i should say he wasn't he also didn't put his heart and soul into it <laughs> yeah i don't think so i mean i think he did his i think he did his best in the role but i don't i don't know that it was anyone anyone at all felt passionately about this movie you know i mean i'll give it to him on the dance scene 100 percent committed uh that was i think it was shot well too because it's fun and regardless even if you were people had whether you were in the 80s, you had a fun time being uh, homophobic while also being closeted yourself, um, or you know, whether you're watching it now with a different lens, it was a good it was a good scene. Um, and then also his scream, which um, you know, which how oh glad was it in the documentary or something else I watched, which uh, you know he, he could have gotten warned like, hey, by the way, you did that very much so. Well, well, as the Scream Queen is a very, a, very ladylike, and you might get bullied for it. Um, 
maybe you should do another take where it's a little bit less, you know, something you'll get shit for. Um, he didn't get that. Um, well, he went in that fucking scream. Uh, chef's kiss to that scream. I love it. I think he committed the like, give this kid an Emmy. Uh, excellent. Excellent scream. It's a great scream. Yeah, thank you. I'll take, I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> On behalf yeah, of the queer community, time. Jim, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny, too, um, as far as, like, his Scream Queen legacy. I looked him up today when I was uh, watching the movie, and um, he's got credits now that he didn't have since the 80s. Ooh. Like, he's turning up, and he's getting paid to act again, so good for him. Yeah, to be honest, like, anyone who's anyone who's doing anything uh in movies good for them they're getting work they're doing what they need to do he's in um a bunch of stuff you never heard of something called amityville clown house happy (laughs) slashers hashtag stop the nightmare one dead dog swallowed reunion from hell too yeah (laughs) i feel like everybody that's you know that does like the horror convention circuit they have their own little niche um world where like there are probably people that are seeking these movies out you know yeah there's um uh there's a documentary about uh troll 2 i think we we might have talked about it the best worst movie yeah best worst movie love that movie yeah that movie's all about these this cast from one movie they did in like 1990 and uh you know that is their whole world. Everyone gets to come and be like, oh, my God, it's the people from Troll 2. That's awesome. And they're just like, hey, yeah, it is the people from Troll 2. We did do that. And then they go back to being a dentist. And he's just like, yeah, that's what my life is. That movie, that documentary is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the closest thing, actually, to this. Like, if there's a comparable movie that exists to Scream Queen, it's best worst movie. Um, oh, cool. but that movie gives you a lot of feels too. And the people that they, that were involved with that movie and the way it unravels how such a terrible movie could be made in such a sincere way mm-hmm. is fascinating. And oh, those yeah. are the best worst movies because like the sci-fi channel can do their Sharknado kind of whatever, but sure. those are intentionally lazy and bad. But when you have a filmmaker in this case, that was an Italian filmmaker, who came to the U.S. to make a like kind of a fairy tale movie, and everything just got lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, there was real, there was real sincerity and passion behind it, and it just came out so bad that it's it's almost endearing. Um, yeah. uh, Troll Two is like that, and then the documentary Best Worst Movie, which was made much later. That is, it's. Oh, it's a phenomenal watch. So after, I can't recommend them more I was going to say, so after, uh-huh. if I'm like, if, if anybody else is listening and you've already watched Scream Queen before listening to this, now you have something else to go to immediately, and as do we. It's yes. it, it's really, really great. It it, go, it really goes into, like, uh, uh, the horror convention lifestyle of people who are in obscure horror movies or are, that was all, that's their only credits. It's very, it's very fascinating to watch. Um and then there's also um, uh, what you said about uh, how it's very passionate. You're right. That's what makes the so bad it's good kind of movies is the passion in it. Like famously, Ed Wood movies are made by right. Ed Wood was an extremely passionate filmmaker, had zero. He talent. doesn't know he's making a bad movie. He's doing his best. He, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he believes he's making the best movie he possibly can. And they mm-hmm. come out really bad. And then famously, the other one is um, 
uh, the room. What's his name? Yeah, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. I don't yeah. know what his name is. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau. He, um, yeah. just a man who yeah. was very passionate, wanted to make a, wanted to make an amazing movie, put a lot of passion into it, just did not have the knowledge to do it, but had the money to do it, so he could. So it comes out, and you're just like, everything is wrong, but like, there's still there's something there. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, those are the best the best worst movies. And Troll Two, man, have you have you seen Troll Two itself, I, Jim? I haven't actually. I've only seen the documentary. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But I was thinking we could do. Well, first off, there's no Troll One, correct? Well, there is. There it's is okay. Troll so, One. It's not related to Troll right, right, Two, right. though. That's far as yeah. that's the thing. That's the funny thing about it. So I say we do Troll yeah. One, Troll Two, and then we roll into the Ernest uh, franchise where we do the <laughs> the Ernest Scared Stupid about the trolls that get killed with milk. <laughs> Sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> now uh, we have a troll. Now there's a troll. It qualifies as a franchise. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, which is my one of my favorite lines was when uh, he finds the when he learns that it's milk. But uh, it's scratched out, so he thinks it says Miak. And then he <laughs> he's like, huh, Miak will destroy them. And then he gets Miak, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I bet you didn't think I'd get it at this time of year. It's like, is that in season? <laughs> Rob, do you know what we're talking about? Have you seen any of these Ernest movies? Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen them in a long time, but I'm very. They're on the list. I'm very. When it, it came up to put them on the list, I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to see Ernest scared, scared stupid. Ernest goes to jail. Um, did he do a camp? I remember. Ernest Ernest, I remember seeing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember seeing Ernest saves Christmas in theaters. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to do that. Oh my god! Yes. Um. Okay. So, uh, I have an idea. This is actually going to be probably perfect time because I think it's a good time to get to final notes. Um. Okay. I already know my very excited thing for a final note. It's more of just an idea, and I I want to get your opinion on it. So. This movie is camp for a lot of people. Um, not this documentary. If it is camp for you, great. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but the Nightmare on Elm Street 2, that's what it means a lot to a lot of people. What if there was a new movie that was intended to be camp where uh, Mark, because Mark didn't die, right? He he <laughs> is the a final girl. He did survive. I'll, I'll look it up. Right? Oh, are you talking about in the movie? Yeah. Does Jesse survive or does Jesse? No, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Jesse survives because he yeah. walks off with the girl at the end. Right, because he he's not he's not gay. He's straight. That's the message, right? Something bad pops back up at the end. I don't remember what. Right, but, but I like the idea of him being kind of like an Obi Obi Wan Kenobi for like the uh, the next queer scream queen, right? Wouldn't okay. that be great? Yeah. Where we lean into it, where it's done by the right writers with a queer eye, and we're gonna be like, yes, this character is queer. We don't have to lean into it where it's just like, oh, let's go into their trauma trope with dad, you know, bad bad relationship with their parents. They can just be queer, and then it could be fun that Mark Patton is there. Um, they're kind of uh, uh, let, oh, I once was this guy tried to kill me. <laughs> but you, you know what? To go, you might need to go pitch to New Line Cinema, Kai, because I bet you you could get Robert Englund on board for that. Sweet, great. And also, they're not they haven't done anything else with that property since the Jackie Earl Haley one, have they? Nope, I'm not. I'll also I already oh messaged God. Mark uh, today on Instagram, so I'll message him again and see if he's interested in this movie idea and screenshot it. And I've told you about it. What's today's date? Let's just prove that this was my idea. Two twenty two twenty two. Day two two. 
Okay, it is two, 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 all the twos. And once again, my name is Kai Bobby Banker. I came up with this idea. Thank you. <laughs> the good thing is, Kai, you're going to have another chance to do all of this tomorrow because you're just going to relive this day. Over <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I I thought it honestly. I'm. I think we're going to have to do it next year where we just. Um, oh geez, what are we going to do, Jim? The options could be. Uh, I guess any time loop movie, right? Or we could just do oh, Groundhog, I, Groundhog's Day three times. I, I texted you uh, the options because there's Groundhog's Day and then there's also Happy Death Day, which I just mm-hmm. watched. And that was actually a really good movie. Uh, really like that movie. Yeah, cool. that was it was I thought it, I my girlfriend really liked it and she was like, oh, we got to watch this. And I was like, oh, it's just going to be an average horror movie from that time. No, good. Really good movie. Actually, well written. Fun to watch. Nice. Well, um, real quick, Kai, you said you reached out to Mark Patton. I sent him an Instagram message. Um, he's not going to message. Kai, me. I just, I just said that, Hey, you know, I just wanted to say, thanks. I appreciate you putting effort into this movie. Like I just wrote him a nice message. Um, oh, that's really nice. I love that. Whether, whether or not he's actually going to respond is, is a you know, mystery. Um, Oh, I accidentally sent it as the podcast and not actually as myself. Right. <laughs> I didn't realize I Seems did it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll send him. I'll Maybe copy and paste it. No, this. I did sign it with my name though. Um, yeah, that's all. I hope we didn't say anything that he would be offended by because I genuinely really like Mark Patton. I get I to edit too. this. I get to edit this before it goes out. If I Mark, I said a bunch of mean shit about you. You're never gonna find <laughs> out. Let's be friends. <laughs> You got to befriend me to find out the mean shit I said about you behind your back. Um, <laughs> I did it with love. We'll work it out over um, a nice cup of tea or whatever Mark Patton likes to do for fun. Uh, all right. So what about yourself? Do you have any uh, final thoughts on this movie? Any things uh, that we didn't get to that you would like to get to, uh, Jim or Rob? I actually didn't take notes down for this. Uh, That's fine. Because I was just enjoying the documentary. Um, Real. A a thing that I did notice that I thought about with this movie, and this is definitely my like uh, uh, lack of experience within the queer community, would be uh, I thought it was interesting seeing Mark Patton as a young man uh, playing straight. Like he's very clearly trying his best to play straight because they, they his uh, agent told him to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing everything he can, and then seeing him as an adult. And he has the kind of an air of like a like a like one of those old queens you always see mm-hmm. and very confident and very like uh, just like, yeah, I'm I'm gay. This is who I am. Uh, and you're like, yes, please. <laughs> I love it. It was very interesting seeing that uh, contrast because I don't think I've ever I've, I've never seen it uh, in anything before or experienced it. Oh, yeah. the, unap- the unapologetic gay. Yeah, it was loud. <laughs> well, going from uh seeing a closeted man to be an unapolog- uh, unapologetically gay that was right yeah. I, I was like good for him good good i'm glad he was able to it, you can <clears throat> even in his demeanor you can see him be more confident uh with himself well his generation is this could be my final thought i think there's something about his generation of gay men well anybody gay but i say gay men only because he does have that yeah he's got that old queen kind of air to him mm-hmm. um i love men like that i i work for a, a company that was uh gay owned and operated for a long time i worked with a lot of men of his generation that were a lot like that mm-hmm. and they were always so generous and kind to me and i anybody um 
gay, straight, anybody of his generation that lived through the AIDS crisis and suffered because of it, mm-hmm. like they've earned the right, you know, to, to oh, yeah. be oh, yeah. bold and proud and who they are, because I think they've, um, they were the ones, man. That's the generation that had to come out because everyone was dying, you know. Um, even before that, we had like, you know, like the heart heart during Harvey Milk's time, people were coming out because of laws that were anti-gay. And, you know, there's that uh scene from Milk where Harvey Milk makes them call their families and come out to them on the phone oh. before the vote on prop, whatever it was, because they're like, oh. if your family knows that you are gay, then they'll they'll have a horse in this race. They'll know who it's hurting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh. then when the when the AIDS epidemic happened, they didn't, people of Mark's generation had no fucking choice. They were dying. They were visible. Yeah. On their, you know what I mean? They, and they had to fight tooth and fucking nail just to be acknowledged and to get medicine. You know what I mean? The president of the United States wouldn't, wouldn't even glance their way or acknowledge that it was happening. Like, <sighs> yeah. Um, Famously knew know. about think, it too. Yeah, knew it was happening. Oh, was just yeah, like, one, nah, I don't care. They knew about it for years. I mean, um, there's a great documentary. Uh, there's a lot of documentaries and a lot of films yeah. about the AIDS era, but um, there's a great one by David France called "How to Survive a Plague," which takes you through um, the ACT UP organization, and it's got some amazing footage that shows how radical this this organization had to become just to get um, just to get their voices heard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good movie that I recommend, but. Uh, I guess my final thought is I think that's one of the reasons that I find Mark so endearing is because he's of this particular generation that I think we got to make sure has a real special place in the history books for what yeah. they were able to do and for how, what is this, you know, 30 years later, things are so wildly different um, than they oh, were for sure. when Especially he was, uh, in his 20s. He dipped too. I mean, like, I know he's been back in the circuit and doing like limelight stuff and going to conventions and stuff, but like, you know, you're, you're also still doing certain circles. You may not be necessarily hip to exactly what's what. Um, I'm, as I think I've recently pointed out, there are plenty of my blind spots in their episodes that if I hear back later on 10 years from now, it's going to hurt uh, to listen to myself talk because uh, we all say things uh, that aren't great. Um, yeah. So when I thought about the criti- like criticism about Mark online, I, I think. I'm just going to give advice to anybody who thinks they're trying like to being really critical towards queer people. Um, eh, I, oh, I talked about this on the, Hey, let me ask you something podcast. Cause we got into like using comedy as like armor. I think this is comedy. Uh, the common thing where you run into a room um, and just like kind of like, oops, wrong room. And then kind of back out, like give queer people a little room to go into the wrong room, say the thing that's not quite a hundred percent perfect. And then like laugh it off, back it out rework it rechat like he described like to me i think a lot of criticism i saw him online um i i would love to just meet it with just like he's ignorant in some ways into the true sense of the word of it um I love mark people, yeah people some people really don't like mark um i yeah I, I dug deep into the internet a little bit um and some of the reviews are blatantly just like what you'd expect hateful where they're just like homophobic and kind of probably just coming from someone who never yells at anybody other than just on their keyboard. Yeah. Um, but some Are of there it is younger queer people that take issue with him. Precisely. Young, that's what I'm getting out I've of it. Yeah. That's what I'm that trying to say. Too. Yeah. And so, I, I hear people yeah. out, but uh, I'm also, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older and because I, I'm so close to this generation of men. Yeah. Um, I, but there is a part of me that's like, oh, respect your elders too. No, you know? uh, like you, like you said, Rob, like, sorry, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm with you. 
I, like you said, Rob, he comes from a generation where a lot of gay people died off. Like, I, I, so I was, I'm sorry. He he has a little bit of a uh, he. It's it's kind of like he has a little bit of a uh, uh, wiggle room. Like, give him some respect. I I actually almost touched on this when we were talking about the the conversation between the the writer and and Mark himself, but. If you're having conflict like this, the key thing is to realize that the true enemy is the hurt, like the thing it's all stemming from. The true enemy is the the, the conflict itself. That being said, you have every right to fucking cut people out of your life if they're causing you an immense amount of distress and toxic and hateful and all those things like that. But I try to, at this point in my adult life, look at situations a little bit more nuanced and realize that, like, uh, anybody who's taking hate towards Mark, chances are, if you really sat down with him, he seems like the kind of person that over like a cigarette and him being a little sassy and kind of redirecting and going on a tangent about something, you'll get to a comment space. You're like, oh, OK, well, you're yeah, you're good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how to put this. Um, this is a little bit ranty, too. But when I came out, it also came out around the same time that I was coming out with my gender identity being a little bit all over the place. It also became into this thing where there was like erasure and being like, oh, you're just a gay guy kind of thing. So all of a sudden, for the first time ever, I'm exposed in like a queer sense of community and also kind of mostly just like living undercover amongst like cis men predominantly. And it's one of those things where I was my first time ever being exposed to that unapologetically old, sassy gay daddy. And that was just a di- group of people that I had just had zero exposure to in my little uninformed New Hampshire ass life growing up. Uh, wasn't going out to the, you know, you know that bar that existed in this in the in the movie, the one that they totally just <laughs> pretended like was totally straight. I yeah. didn't start going to places like that until my adult life. Um, and there's definitely those these little moments where there's nuance. You're like, okay, cool. You're literally just from a different pocket of of queer. Um, I don't have to hate you. <laughs> Like, let's, uh, I also, like, somewhere between, um, oh, how, this is, how do I put this? When someone asks me, like, really, unse- like, in, what I would consider insensitive and would normally, by a lot of people's standards, be, like, sh- shut off the conversation sentences, um, where someone's, like, being even invasive about my gender, I'm just like, all right, queer motherfuckers, uninformed, let's have a fun chat where I'm just going to be honest with you about some shit. Um, and, and now I'm just getting, we're going to have to cut a lot of this out because I'm getting a lot, really a lot of feelings. But you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I hate that there seems to be such uh when I look when I'm getting mad about all the hate that I read on the internet before I did this episode, but um I hate that there's such an immense amount of just people screaming and, and not realizing that they're not having the same argument. Um that's that. That's done. Sorry. Okay. I I Someone want to else. apologize, Kai, because I cut you off in the middle of talking about what you saw online because I got very defensive and reactionary thinking that yeah. there's some twenty-one year old that's coming after Mark Patton because I've seen that in real life. I've seen that happen to like older, older men mm-hmm. from some college kid that's, that's doing a lot of thinking about things, you know, and, and wants to get, again, it's something that they see in this older guy that they don't like about themselves or something that they see is whatever, hundred yep, percent, not with the times. But then when they come after them, I'm almost like, whoa, like, you don't know him. You don't know what he did to oh, allow God, yeah. you to have this yeah. freedom to express yourself. Like, right, right. don't come for my daddy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's, yeah, I got I got reactionary and he did before you oh. even finished telling me about the thing. You know? <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> when I cut out all of my, my random nonsense that no one else is going to hear from a minute ago, uh, don't come at my daddy. Is, is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's kind of how I feel about it when it comes to elder gays. Don't come at my daddy. Um, I get yeah. the need. Uh, I guess I'm also. I guess I'm specifically talking to my queer community. My uh, my my. Uh, you know, yes, it's not nice <laughs> to just go at everybody because they didn't ha- live in the exact same lens and world that you had. Um, yeah. Yeah. We gotta be all be a little bit more patient with each other and realize we're not the enemy. Um, right. I feel literally caught in the middle and I think I am age wise. I'm, I'm 38. Mm-hmm. So I'm like kind of right between Mark Patton and the 20 year old yeah. um, gender studies major, you know, yep. um, I'm like right smack dab in the middle and I'm like, Hey guys, stop fighting. There's room yeah. for both of us here, you know? So, well, I mean, you're doing something that already encourages curiosity, which I think is such a key element in addressing any conflict and any gap uh, between uh, alternative perspectives is just encouraging people to like what's here y'all <laughs> yeah you know sorry i'm getting deep at the end here <laughs> <laughs> it's all good yeah <laughs> we even say things i'm just like oh wait, wait there's this conversation that could come off of this conversation that we're having right now it's like we're, we're wait we're trying to wrap up right now <laughs> i know i know i apologize <laughs> um yeah, thank you for getting intense with me. Jim, did you have a um I'm sorry, uh I didn't was there another final thought that you had, Rob? I have a separate I just wanted to ask you guys a question before yeah. we wrap up. Yeah. Um I so I've been listening to the show, but you're uh you record uh, ahead of time. So I'm just wondering where have you finished the whole nightmare series at the time that we're recording this? Yes. yes. We have uh, we might even hang back and do a little bit of recording. We'll see uh, about the the recap episode. So it's time for us to finally get into rankings where we stand with this whole franchise. And woo, what a journey oh, it has been. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's over. It's over. Oh, I can't wait to hear. It's yeah. been great. Uh, it's it's oh. such a great show. You guys, I'm so Thank happy you. and proud to be a part of it. Thank you. And um, yeah, it's really fun. I love it. And I can't wait till I, whatever the next franchise is. Oh. And I can't wait to keep hearing you go through this nightmare because I'm not watching them with you. I'm just experiencing you. You watch well, them. Well, um, we're going we're gonna, to we're tell you right now, you get a inside early info about the next franchise. Jim, what is it? It's Toy Story. Yeah. Oh, and cool. And that's not all, folks. Uh, Caitlin Corkery, uh, Rob's uh, teammate, as well as also a uh, dear friend, uh, is going to be coming on because uh, we got advised through multiple uh, friends of hers that uh, going with a scary movie was not a good idea. So we did not do a Nightmare on Elm Street with her. Caitlin <laughs> um, too scary. And it's a shame because people that are scared of scary movies mm-hmm. are the most fun to watch oh. scary movies with. But Caitlin won't nope. budge. I reminded her as soon as she said yes. I was like, just as a reminder, this is a movie about toys that come alive when you're not paying attention. Anyways, I <laughs> I really like Kai uh, sent her a message uh, about like I we heard that you uh, aren't a big fan of scary movies, so we skipped you for this one, but we want to bring you up with the Toy Story's the next one, so we want to bring you on as soon as possible. And she responded with, "Thank you. I did not want to watch those movies." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you to anybody who continues to listen. Uh, it really means a lot. Um, I know we've gotten some like new listeners. Uh, I don't know whether new listeners are starting in the middle and the beginning. I don't know. Um, if I would love it if you were just like, yeah, yeah, fuck all these like franchises. I'm just going to kick it with scream queen. Uh, and if that's the case, (laughs) welcome to the franchise. Welcome to the franchise podcast (laughs) that you did not about a uh, a franchise, but, um, welcome to the franchise podcast, Mark Patton specifically. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, I appreciate you. I hope he sees that message. Oh gosh. Uh, Jim, did you have a final note? No, I, uh, said the thing. Uh, Oh, great. Awesome.
Uh, well, in that case, it is that time uh, where if there is anything you would like to promote, uh, things you would like to tell any listeners about, um, a uh, a philosophy, a uh, you could just say no. Are, are, you, <laughs> are you going with a philosophy, a history, or a uh, oh, what's the third one? Oh, if, if I know, uh, it's it's that oh yeah yeah the improv history metaphor metaphor. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Was there anything uh that you wanted to tell any of the listeners? I got nothing. I'm I'm teaching this class right now. I got no shows on the books. I got no classes after this one, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, to having some downtime. Um, even though I just had a bunch of downtime, but now I'm just used to it. So uh, I want more of it. And um, so I would like to promote uh snuggling up with your cats on a winter yeah. day. Oh, mm-hmm. that is a solid Good promotion. Stuff. Uh, if there was a place that people wanted to keep tabs on uh, happenings when they come in and out of your cat cuddling, um, it, where would that be? Um, I get. Oh God, I'm so bad. I don't even do social media really. I'm on Facebook, and if if you know what, if something happens um, that I'm in or doing, I do put it on Facebook. But that's about it. So you want everyone here to friend request you? <laughs> no, I don't actually. Yeah, just follow. Go to xroadscomedy.com if there's a question, I'm in study hall. Oh my so god! So go see that when it happens. Um. Okay. Well, we did it. Uh, it is over. Nightmare on Elm Street is officially something. Uh, if you folks want to hear about it, uh, there is a way to do that. It is through our Patreon. Uh, has access to the recap episodes that are available there. Uh, so if you want to get into Jim's and I's opinions about rankings, reviews, and then we'll probably go off on other tangents about. Oh, Jim, I always just want to talk about you pooping yourself in places, which is really terrible. It's the one story everyone, uh, everyone, if people talk to me about the podcast, it's always, remember that time you pooped yourself on the way to Lancaster County? I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> we will at least, right, I'll make a, I'll make a guarantee uh, that we will at least talk about it for at least a minute and a half in the, uh, the recap episode. So if you want access to that, go to, uh, oh, geez, uh, HTTP slash Jim, what is it? What? How do we? How do I give the website for uh, the Patreon? It's, oh, it's a H S T T. Is it patreon.com no. slash uh, Rotten Treasure? Yeah, I just figured because you did like internet stuff and computer stuff, you would know if it was like a. Oh, P- are you saying so HTTP uh, colon uh, slash slash www dot? Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go there, and, and there are ways to become uh, a Patreon member, and you can actually uh, gain voting power, uh, where you can actually uh, vote on some of the upcoming uh, franchises that are going to be coming our way. Uh, that, and the only other news I want to tell everybody is we're going to be starting a new thing called Tiny Treasures, which is going to be in between our regular episodes. Uh, we're going to be tossing in twofers. It's time to talk about movies with only one sequel um, and get into why that may have been. So stick with us, folks. New things are happening. Rob? There's your troll two. Uh, there it is. Troll one, troll two. Actually, though, uh, Rob, thank you so much. You're absolutely wonderful. I love you. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is a blast as always. I'll come back anytime you're watching movies that aren't like Lord of the Rings. Something. I'll come back anytime <laughs> you're watching movies I like watching. No. <laughs> we'll ask you beforehand, and we'll be fine with if you say no. I don't want to do that. Like, wait. Yeah. Fine. That's what I did to Kai. I was like, nah, no, I don't know. No. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. take any offense. Uh, <laughs> if anything, Peter Jackson, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, you, you did the thing that says that you want to do it where you were like, oh, I don't want to do Lord of the Rings. But if you got anything else, yeah, let me hear it. And then you came yeah. on. 
Uh, Kai and I shared. Kai shared the whole spreadsheet with me, and I was like, this, 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 this. I Kai's got a whole list. Folks, oh, yeah. you have no idea how intense this spreadsheet is. If you have any suggestions, uh, I just can't stop making promotions and talking to the listeners. But uh, if you have any suggestions for movie franchises, uh, Rob, Jim, we need to add more to the list. Uh, same thing with movies with just one sequel. Uh, just tell us on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Just yell at us in real life, and we need to make this list a little bit more beefy. So, uh, yeah, Trolls 2 is making it on there, and we'll have you back for that, Rob. <laughs> you want to get into Trolls 2? <laughs> I'll, I'll watch Troll 2 in a heartbeat, or Best right. Worst Movie. Or are you talking about Trolls Tour 2 World Tour concert? Whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we got to get off the episode. And folks, you got to stay tuned to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Rob. Thank you. I love you. You're the best. Sure. Love you guys. Jim, you're okay. Thank you. Oh, okay. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Rotten Treasure. And on Instagram at Rotten underscore Treasure. And on Twitter at Rotten Treasure. And go to Patreon.com slash Rotten Treasure for bonus episodes, early episode release, and a vote for the next series. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and review us on any of your available podcast apps. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Perfect.